You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, December 23rd, January 23rd, excuse me, the... Uh, this is the the first podcast of the Giants 2023 off season, and uh, here to help me uh, a little bit with a little bit of a post mortem and uh, some thoughts on on Saturday's divisional round loss to the Philadelphia Eagles is Big Blue Views Tony Del Genio. Tony, how you doing today? I'm doing fine under the circumstances. Yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully my my. Uh, my tongue seems to be all twisted up this morning. Hopefully that improves as the uh, as the day goes along here, but uh, so be it. We'll, uh, we'll we'll muddle through. We'll do the best we can here. Tony, I want to start with this quickly. I wrote this in a couple places, and I look at Saturday. Brian Dable referred to it as a crash landing. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't competitive. And it was a disappointment that the Giants couldn't push the Eagles harder, maybe couldn't pull off the upset. But but in no way, shape, or form do I think that Giants fans can be disappointed in the season that the Giants had. No, I I you know, I think if you if you're gonna be realistic about it, you have to go back to this time a year ago when things were in a shambles and and we were only about at the point where the giants were starting to to put things back together by hiring joe shane and then and then brian dable and uh there was a little optimism then but no one realistically thought the giants would even have a winning record this year uh much less get into the playoffs and win a game in the playoffs against a team that was a division champion. All right. I mean, everybody, everybody disses the Vikings now, but it's not that the Vikings were, were a bad team by the Vikings were a good team. They're just not yeah, the, 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 the best. Uh, and uh, the giants beat them. And so, you know, for one year, given a roster that seemed to be so devoid of talent, I think it's amazing what the giants did this year. Absolutely. You, you have to keep everything in perspective. This is a team that was 4-13 and 13 a year ago. This is a team that was an embarrassment, a laughingstock, subject of memes all over the place, team that had lost double-digit games five years in a row. Even Joe Shane and Brian Dayball sort of tamped down expectations when things began. Shane was very upfront about the issues that the Giants had with the salary cap, about the things that he couldn't do that he wanted to do. He was very upfront that he couldn't chase the caliber of free agents that he really wanted to chase. 
because his hands were tied financially. You, you look at the roster, and, and and he knew what he had. He knew he had some young players to, to work with, but that there was a lot to be done. There's still a lot to be done. And he said, we're just going to make it the best that we can. I don't think anyone thought that, that the best that the Giants would do would be to get to the final eight, would be to get to this point where they won a playoff game and uh, and generated generated this much excitement in the fan base for the first time in quite a while. So so I think you know heck of an accomplishment for those guys in their first year. Oh, absolutely. And you know, and you and you look around the league, there are you know all but four teams right now that, that are pretty disappointed with how they're 2022 seasons went when you look at the buffalo bills for example who had super bowl aspirations and you know not only are they not getting to the to the super bowl but i mean they were drummed out pretty decisively yesterday by cincinnati and that's a team that was kind of a super bowl favorite and so uh you know you look at you look at other teams around around the league and the, the giants outperformed expectations by more than any other team in the nfl didn't Absolutely, Tony. And I think this is another thing that I've written at Big Blue View. And I want to see if you uh, see what your thoughts are on this. I hate to keep saying, well, you, you, you have to point at the Eagles and you have to model yourself after the Eagles, because that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say. But I think that the two the two games against the Eagles, week 14, when the Giants were drubbed 48 to 22, and then Saturday night, again, 38 to 7 game that really wasn't competitive. I think those two games, to me, really highlighted just how far the Giants have to go to, they're a good team, but how far they really have to go to be a championship caliber contender, to be a team that belongs in the final four, to be a team that can be looked at as a legitimate Super Bowl threat. There's, there's an obvious gap there. So there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the Eagles are a, are a tough comparison right now because uh, in my opinion, and and I hate to say it, uh, but the Eagles are a team to me that looks like they have no weaknesses. And uh, I, I mean, they're just, they're just stacked really across the board. And uh, I mean, you know what he said, maybe their linebacker group isn't one of the top five in the, in the NFL, but they're not a bad linebacker group. They're actually a pretty good linebacker group, but they've got a tremendous offensive line, tremendous defensive line. They've got two really good cornerbacks. They've got two really good re- uh, wide receivers. You know, and you go on and on and on and, and at every position group along the way, you know, they're stacked. And I think that they are a tough, draw for any team and i think san francisco is going to find that out in a week so um of course they're getting old some of them especially along that offensive and defensive line so that's not going to last forever for them and like any other team they'll have their ups and their and their downs over the coming years but if you if you if just throw them out for the minute and, and compare to the rest of the nfl i think the giants are in a position within a year uh maybe two years of being able to compete with, with almost any other team in the NFL, if they do things right and get a little luck coming their way. 
Absolutely. The other thing I was thinking is you watch the uh, the divisional round game on Sunday night between the 49ers and the Cowboys. And when you watch those two teams and you watch what the Eagles did to the Giants, it's clear that, as I said, the Giants are a good team. But it's clear that for me, I don't, it's not even necessarily that there's more top to bottom talent. But for me, what there are is there's more speed and there are more, more actual playmakers, more difference makers on the rosters of those teams. And for me, that's what it is with the Giants. I did, I don't know if you've read it yet, but I did sort of my look at the five biggest areas of need for the Giants heading into the offseason. I did that Monday morning. And for me, what it comes down to is both lines and difference makers, both lines and difference makers at the skill positions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I think the Eagles are showing everyone. I'd argue that, that San Francisco and Dallas, uh, pretty much also show you that that the offensive and defensive lines are just so so important to to really go far uh, in the in the playoffs and and the giants clearly are not there i mean i think they're farther along on the defensive line than any place else i i i still think that there are one maybe two pieces on the defensive line that they might consider adding uh, like an IDL to 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 come in uh, you know you notice versus the Eagles that as soon as the Giants rested uh, Dexter Lawrence for for a few plays the Eagles immediately ran the ball and had success uh, you know doing it and uh, and given Aziz Ojolari's injury problems not clear that they don't actually need need some more depth at the at the edge position also but the defensive line is in relatively good shape clearly the offensive line still needs a lot of work you can you can say that there are potential pieces there but other than Andrew Thomas there are no definite pieces there yet and the offensive line just got just got steamrolled once again by the Eagles as, as it is every time they play the Eagles, it seems. And uh, there's so much work to, to be done there still. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, let's talk about both of those areas. I want to talk defensive line first and, and we'll include the edge players. I didn't actually write about the edge players in the, in the piece that I did this morning, but I think I would argue, I think as you would, that while you've got Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, and while you've got Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, that that's not enough. Because what the Eagles show you, and again, we're back to, hey, we're talking about Philadelphia's roster again. But I think that what the Eagles and other teams show you, the 49ers are, are this way, I think, as well, is that they can bring front, defensive front seven players or front four players, they bring them in waves mm -hmm. and in the talent, maybe it drops off a little bit, but it doesn't drop off a whole heck of a lot. And I mean, no offense to Toman Fox, but he's an undrafted free agent rookie. No offense to Jihad Ward. He's a terrific locker room presence, but Jihad Ward is a journeyman who bounces from team to team for a reason. He's not a true impact player. 
guys like Justin Ellis. Justin Ellis is a great guy. I've talked to him a million times in the Giants locker room, but these guys, they're not, they're not holding up their end of the bargain when, uh, when the Giants have to rest people, and, and, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and on the defensive line, you do have to rest people. You you can't just have starters in there because those got none of those guys plays a hundred percent of the snaps, and so when you take them out and the talent level drops off so much, then smart teams will recognize that and immediately attack it, and that can be the difference in a in a close game. I'm not saying that was the difference on Saturday night because the the contrast between the two teams was so, so stark, but in in other situations where the giants are more competitive being able to bring in someone who's who's pretty good to replace the 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 guy that you have on the starting line that's that's superior uh is is such an important thing and again as you say you know not to come back to the eagles but the, but the eagles can do that the eagles can can take their defensive linemen out and and bring in other defensive linemen. i mean they have their first round draft pick jordan davis who who is who, who clogs the middle and like he, the guy only plays like 15 to 20 snaps a game <laughs> he's not even starting but when he comes in you know good luck trying to run on him right and so the giants don't have that behind their front line players on the defensive line absolutely and and on the offensive line the interior of the offensive line i referred to it this morning as a mishmash and there's a lot of decisions to be made there but before we even talk about that i need to more or less put down my marker here on evan neal all right i'm i'm getting tired of people screaming that evan neal is a bust I'm getting tired of people screaming that he has to be moved to guard. I'm getting tired of people comparing him to Eric Flowers. All right. First of all, Evan Neal is not Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers was a guy that had no friends in the Giants locker room. He had no interest in having friends. He had no interest in working hard and had no interest in really improving his craft. Evan Neal is a very serious, very athletic young man who very badly wants to do this very well. And he's also a guy who, another difference between Evan Neal and Eric Flowers is every time Evan Neal has struggled this year, he stood in front of his locker or he sat in front of his locker and he took accountability for it. When Eric Flowers would struggle, He would refuse to speak to media and would leave his teammates to speak for him. All right. And and that's a huge difference in accountability and professionalism. And I look at Evan Neal. Let's just be realistic. The Giants used the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft on Evan Neal. They used that pick because they think he can be a bookend to Andrew Thomas on the right side of their offensive line. They are not going to give up on that after one up and down season they are going to give the young man a chance to go and work on his craft and get better and come back next season and do what young players do develop and get better so i'm just tired of that i'm tired of the whole discussion (laughs) And the shame about Evan Neal was the injury he had midseason because he was starting to put together a couple of good games just before 
he got injured. And really, since he came back, he's had he's had a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder, first of all, whether whether that knee is fully healthy or whether he's he was just kind of getting by with it and that it's not really going to heal up until he has this offseason to rest. But that, you know, but that's a shame, too. But, you know, as you say, offensive linemen don't always look great when they when they first come out of college and uh uh i you know i suspect that with him there's there there's one or two problems that that once he gets them fixed up everything all of a sudden is going to look fine uh with him and that and my guess is that it's not going to be a a gradual improvement that you'll see from him it'll just be something that he gets fixed that that allows him to kind of react better at the snap or 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 handle the outside speed better or whatever it is you know that that he needs to do and once he does that all of a sudden things are going to improve dramatically that's my guess yeah and the only other thing i will say about evan neal is something that he pointed out on sunday as giants players were packing up to head off for the off season he has not played the same position on the offensive line two years in a row since high school yeah and that yes he has a lot of flexibility but that's a lot to ask a guy to move left to right inside to outside back and forth that's a lot to ask of a guy to move change positions every single year for four or five straight years i think that evan neal will benefit tremendously from going into an offseason knowing he will be the right tackle and being able to go to Duke Manyweather of, of offensive line masterminds, who is his primary offseason trainer, to be able to go there, break down some film, look at it, and work specifically at being a right tackle. Yeah, and and if you follow Duke Manyweather on Twitter, you know, he gets asked about Evan Neal, and his response is, is, is you know, that – He's going to be fine. <laughs> like he's got no, he's got no concerns about him. And and you know the 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 parallel to Andrew Thomas is not is not quite the same because Andrew Thomas had a very chaotic coaching situation in his in his first year that I think retarded his development. In addition to the injury that he had uh, actually for a couple of years, but you know you look even at the difference between Andrew Thomas last year and this year, and and it's it's pretty significant also andrew thomas had a, had a very good second year in the nfl but if you look at his third year he's now being talked about among the top three or so or top four or so uh offensive tackles in the nfl and so he made another jump in in his third year uh, after making a big jump in his second year so guys do develop and uh, now you'll remember one of the first things you let me uh, publish on the on the front page of uh, of Big Blue View was was a thing I did a while back, looking at historically at at offensive linemen's careers in the NFL and asking, do they improve with time? And there are actually quite a significant number of offensive linemen who are not great in their first year or first couple of years and then became great. Trent Williams is is the the best example that you can have of that guys may be the best offensive tackle in the in the league right now at least the league thinks so i think he makes all he's he's all pro uh but he wasn't good 
uh, as a rookie either. And, and all of a sudden he became a lot better. Well, what happened to, to Trent Williams? I don't know. I, I don't really follow uh, his career, but something happened that all of a sudden he turned into a good offensive lineman and now he's the best of the NFL. So it happens and it happens to quite a few offensive linemen. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tony, let's talk a little bit about the interior of the offensive line. And and the, the only thing that I think I know for sure right now about the interior of the offensive line, the two guard positions and the center position, the only... The thing that I really strongly believe is that Mark Glowinski is going to be back next season. Glowinski signed a three-year contract with the Giants. There's, there's still guaranteed money left on that deal. I think the the dead cap money to cut Mark Glowinski is more than $8 million if the Giants were to do that this offseason, and I just don't see it. Plus the fact that while Glowinski is is easy to pick on because occasionally his pass protection breaks down, he's not a bad player. He is an adequate to maybe slightly above average starting right guard in the NFL. I mean, my, my question really is what happens at the other two positions. John Feliciano is a free agent. Nick Gates is a free agent. Ben Bredesen's a guy who played fairly well, but just from the fact that the Giants continue to rotate him with Nick Gates, you wonder if they fully believe in him. They drafted two guards last offseason in Josh Azudu and Marcus McKethan, and McKethan missed the whole year. Uh, Azudu missed much of it, and you wonder what they think of those guys. And, you know, it's a mishmash in there and and to me i think whether you find it early in the draft to me you need at least one guy in that group who's a top tier anchor i'd love for that to be at center but to me you need at least one guy in that group who's a who's a top tier player yeah and so that's i think one of the well it's more than one of the positions because you're talking about both guard and center uh, that you might look at in the draft because you can usually get good interior offensive linemen after day one. You don't necessarily have to, especially in the IOL. I don't think you you need to to go after them on on day one. And the Giants have other 
fish to fry on day one, I believe. But you can get someone in round two, round three, sometimes even round four. I mean, it, it, offensive linemen, you can you can kind of, you know, get anywhere and you never know how they're going to do in the NFL. But I'm sure the Giants are going to draft at least one offensive lineman, if not if not more than one. With 11 picks, I'd be very surprised to see them draft at least a center and an IOL. Plus now this year, unlike last year, they've got uh, cap space that they potentially can use depending on what they do with a couple of their, their existing contracts, especially. Uh, and so there, there might be a reasonably priced offensive interior, interior offensive lineman out there that, that they can get. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing, when I did my, my five areas of need, other positions that I mentioned were linebacker, uh, cornerback, wide receiver, tight end, I didn't talk about it, but you could even you could even throw in you know kick and punt returner if you wanted to. What it really comes down to for me, you know, at at any of those positions, is when you look at some of these other teams, when you look at the teams we've talked about, when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, when you look at even the Bills who just got bounced out, you look at the Chiefs. What it comes down to is. At those, at at so many of those positions, what the Giants don't have are enough players who can change games. Mm-hmm. And Mike Kafka did a great job this year scheming wide receivers open. But do the Giants have a wide receiver or a tight end who can actually get himself open and can actually make a play in traffic on his own? Do they have a cornerback who changes a game? No. I mean, I love Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson's a, a terrific cover guy. But you look at Adoree Jackson's history. Adoree Jackson has three interceptions in 88 NFL games, and he hasn't had double-digit pass breakups since 2018. He doesn't change games. Nobody in the Giants' secondary really changes games. Nobody in that linebacker court changes games, at least not for the better. I was, I was about to, and, I was about to contradict and, you and say, "Oh, I thought their linebackers did change games a lot, but in the yeah, wrong direction." <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but in the exactly in the wrong direction, yeah. and and that is what the Giants need: are more, more guys in those positions who change games. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, linebacker, I, I, and I, I agree with you about cornerback and I'm, I mean, you know, yeah, I suppose they could, they could try to go for a cornerback in free agency. Uh, cornerbacks tend to be one of those positions in free agency where, that you have to overpay to get a really good one. And so I'm kind of hoping that, that the giants might deal with cornerback in the draft. I would be perfectly happy to see them use their first round draft pick on a, on a cornerback. If they, if they find one of those game changers that you described uh, there, I mean, obviously the, you know, the, the jets struck gold this season with, with sauce Gardner. I, I mean, I, I, no one was surprised that they, that they took him, but I don't think anyone could have, could have anticipated what a great cornerback he would become just a, as a rookie. I mean, that's sort of the the ideal situation. You, you can't you can't hope to do that well, but but there there look to be a number of good cornerbacks available there that that you might be able to get on day one, maybe even on on day two. And I hope certainly by the end of day two at the latest, the Giants have have selected a cornerback in the draft. Linebacker, you know, is the 
is obviously the, the greatest need on the defense. You could you could argue that there is not a single linebacker on the Giants roster right now who is a really viable starting linebacker in the NFL. Well, I made the argument uh, on Monday morning, Tony. I made the argument that that the only linebacker on the current roster who is guaranteed an opportunity to come back next season is Micah McFadden. And that is only because he'll be on the second year of his rookie contract. Mm -hmm. So you can make the argument that every, all of the rest of them who finished on the 53 man roster, not counting Darian Beavers, the sixth round pick that missed the year with it, with the knee injury, the rest of them are all free agents. I can see a scenario where the giants don't offer contracts to any of them. Yeah. And just completely rebuild that position because it's obvious that they've been searching for answers and searching for answers and and really haven't found them and and need to find them. But uh, so so we'll see that that's an interesting position. I did want to mention one thing. You mentioned Sauce Gardner. I still would love to know what the Giants would have done if Sauce Gardner and Kayvon Thibodeau were both on the board when they selected. I believed then, and I believe now, that Wink Martindale's defense, because of his ability to scheme pressure and his his love for the blitz and his ability to create f- what he always calls free rushers, because there's always free rushers in a Wink Martindale defense. I believed then, and I believe now, that his defense needs top-tier corners more than it needs top-tier edge rushers. And I think he would have picked Sauce Gardner. I think the Giants would have picked Sauce Gardner given the choice. But we'll never know, and I'll always be curious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I think I, I feel exactly the same way about that. And I think Wink Martindale has actually said that. Absolutely. Uh, not not about Sauce Gardner in particular, but he's absolutely said but cornerbacks are so important to his defense, his scheme. He said he says, says I'll get guys to hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just need guys to cover, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So I would be shocked. Yeah, of course we don't know whether Wink Martindale is going to be back as the defensive coordinator next year, uh, depending on on how things go with the with the head coach interview process. All right, but assuming that he's back next year. I'd be really surprised if the Giants don't go get him a cornerback because uh, Adoree Jackson, as you say, you know he's a he's a good corner, he's a very good cornerback, but he's not really a game changer. And to me, Adoree Jackson is a good CB two, and what the Giants need is a CB one. And really, and actually, you know, at at a lot of these positions that that we're talking about, you you, you know you say that the that the Giants need game changers, right? And uh, and that's what we're really talking about. They have good players who are being asked to be, you know, CB one, wide receiver one, and, right. and right like, one. Mm-hmm. but but they're really but they're really of, uh, at the level of quality of CB two, wide receiver two or three or whatever, and so on. Mm-hmm. The Giants need ones at several of those those positions, uh, especially skill positions that is not on not on the line uh not in the front seven and so on and so forth and that's what they don't have they don't have that at cornerback they don't have that at wide receiver and so on absolutely tony we're we're a half an hour into this show and 
I have to ask you this. A half an hour in, we have not talked about Daniel Jones and Saquon <laughs> Barkley. Are you are are you flabbergasted by the fact that we haven't gotten there yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured it was gonna come up at, at some point. Uh, but I think that's an indication. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the situations for both are uncertain, but I think the fact that we've got a half hour without talking about them reflects the fact that they're not perceived as the problems with this year's Giants team, right? And so obviously they are the highest priorities to deal with because they're two of the highest profile players. Uh, and you know, you want to talk about game changers, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, I mean, obviously it's such a, dif a difficult situation because running backs have been somewhat devalued in the NFL and in, in recent years. But if you want to talk about game changers, Saquon Barkley is the Giants most obvious game changer that that was on the roster this year. And the other thing I would I would say about Saquon Barkley is that he's kind of the one alpha if you want to call it on the on the Giants team he's the one guy on the Giants team that really seems to be a you know a thoroughbred he's he's someone who who looks the part and and acts the part and plays the part of a guy who is who is one of the the faces of the team and belongs there with the best players in the game if you're thinking about you know, pro bowls, all pros and things like that. Barkley is the only guy on the Giants who kind of has that vibe about him. Uh, and 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 he's the only guy who's really uh, capable of making game-breaking plays on the entire team. And so I understand that it's a difficult situation to re-sign him uh, and that the, the contract demands may not make it easy for them to pull something off. But I personally am hoping that they do that because I honestly think that if you just replace him with another back in the draft, which you can do in terms of the production, but I think you lose something in terms of, of the intangibles of, of the confidence that having a guy like him would bring to the offense. And so personally, I'm hoping for him to be back. Absolutely. The only other name of, of a player that, that I thought about when you talked about an alpha is the guy who's becoming an alpha is Kayvon Thibodeau, but, mm -hmm. I think he needs more production to really yeah. back that up. But what I really want to do, Tony, I, I, I wanted to let you talk about Jones and, and Barkley first because I'm going to get back up on my soapbox. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get back up on my soapbox here. I don't know if you read the, the mailbag that I do every Saturday morning. I hope you do. I hope a lot of people out there read it. I get criticized all the time. When I answer these mailbag questions, I get criticized all the time when I answer a question by saying that question really doesn't have an answer yet. Okay. Because generally speaking, I say that because I truly believe that certain questions can't be answered at the beginning of a season they can't be answered until all of the evidence is in they can't be answered in terms of whether a guy's a bust or not they can't be answered until we've got two or three years worth of evidence to really see something and where this applies to daniel jones and saquon barkley is 
going all the way back to last off season, I was getting questions about, hey, Ed, put on your GM cap and tell us what you would do about re-signing Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And the truth of the matter is that question didn't have a good answer last off season. That question didn't have a good answer six games into this season. That question didn't have a good answer even eight weeks ago or six weeks ago. Now you can look at that question because now you have all of the evidence. Now you've got a full season with Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, and you can really answer that question. If I were to have answered that question last offseason or at the beginning of this offseason, you look at the franchise tag. And when I was asked that question, I said, look, right now, when you look at that, you can't pay Daniel Jones a $32.45 million franchise tag. If you're going to use the tag, you have to give it to Barkley. But right now, the answer and the situation is the exact opposite. All right. It is going to, in my view, be much easier to get a contract done with Saquon Barkley than it is with Daniel Jones. All right. Saquon Barkley has said, he even said yesterday, I do not expect to reset the running back market. I understand that I missed two years basically with injuries said, I know where my value was headed, and I know where it is now. He just wants a contract that's reasonable, that allows him to stay with the Giants. I think the Giants will be able to get that done. Every indication that you have, on the other hand, is that Daniel Jones' value begins at that $32.4 million franchise tag, and that he knows it. He absolutely knows it. He knows what Jared Goff makes. He knows what Dak Prescott makes. He knows what Kirk Cousins makes. He knows what his value is in relation to those guys. And he knows that he can probably get somewhere between 35 and $40 million on an annual, you know, on an average annual value, you know, for a three or four year contract. Mm -hmm. He knows that. All right. So, for me, that situation over the course of a year, as we've collected the evidence, that situation has flipped on its head. Mm -hmm. If you're going to use the franchise tag, you get a deal done with Saquon Barkley as quickly as you can, and then you save that franchise tag in the event that you can't come to a deal with Daniel Jones. And that's, yeah. that's, that's why I always say to people, Certain questions can't be answered until we have all of the evidence because the answer six months ago is vastly different because we didn't have the evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with, with all of that too. I think that the situation with Daniel Jones right now is that, you know, first of all, right, you look at, you look at Saturday night, Daniel Jones, I thought played terrible on, oh, on, I, I, on saturday night i mean and, and you know i mean he made a couple of really stupid plays especially the play where he he decided to go out of bounds uh, rather than rather than throw the ball away and uh, and make it difficult to to pick up the first down on the on the next play but you look at the week before and daniel jones 
looked like the best quarterback in the NFL against Minnesota, right? And so, you know, what that tells you is that is is that yes, okay, there's a there's a level of quarterback talent and effectiveness that you have to to exceed in order to be worth a big contract. But what you saw against Minnesota is that if you give Daniel Jones at least a modicum of pass protection and you're and you're playing against a defense where where receivers with modest ability are are still able to be schemed open then he can be a really really effective quarterback you put him in a game with no pass protection against cornerbacks who can stay glued to modestly talented wide receivers and he can't do anything and it's true of most quarterbacks in the game you watch Josh Allen yesterday and you know Josh Allen looked pretty awful <laughs> yesterday Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott Dak as well Prescott last night pretty awful yesterday Dak Prescott threw two interceptions right is that right yeah I think Josh Allen had Stefan Diggs storming out of the locker room <laughs> after the game because he thought he wasn't getting the ball from Josh Allen enough and so you know even the best guys if you if you don't give them the protection if their receivers don't get open uh will will not look good out there and and there's not a quarterback for which that is not true. Even even Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and, I, and to me, Patrick Mahomes is is hands down the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't I don't see anyone better than than him. But even in that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, they hounded him with the pass rush so much that even he was ineffective. There's not a quarterback that can do it without the other pieces there. And I think Daniel Jones has shown this year that with the protection with the receivers getting open, he can do the job. And so, as you say, you got Jared Goff out there making 30 some odd million dollars a year. You got Kirk Cousins out there making 30 some odd million dollars a year. You got Ryan Tannehill, I think, making in the vicinity of 30 million dollars a year. He absolutely is going to want a quarter, uh, a contract that that starts at that level. And I think it's appropriate given the way NFL contracts are going that he get that. And if, you know, if you want to start over again with a rookie quarterback, then again, you're, you're rolling the dice and you may find yourself back in, in quarterback hell as Dave Gettleman used to, to call it. And I, I, I think the giants are going to have to try to find something that works for both sides, but I agree. It's not necessarily going to be easy. Would have been a lot easier if they tried to do it in the off season, but how could you give a two, three year contract to a guy that hadn't yet shown that he could do that? Absolutely. You know, the thing that, that I will say um, to back up what you said is I think what Jones showed you against the Minnesota Vikings is that the ability to be a quarterback who can win you games in big spots, that ability is within Daniel Jones. We didn't know if that was the case, but that ability is within him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday night, I got, you know, I got criticized when I did the kudos and wet willies because I didn't give Jones a wet willy and I didn't give him a wet willy because I looked at the situation and I thought overall, he really didn't have a chance to, to truly change the outcome of that game. That said, he missed a deep throw to Darius Slayton. He missed another short throw that probably would have gone for a first down he did fumble a ball when he stayed in the pocket too long 
And I think he stayed in the pocket too long because he was frustrated and the Giants were losing and nobody was open and he needed and he knew he needed to try to to, to make some sort of a play. Yeah. And yes, he made a really bad decision stepping out of bounds, turning third and three in field goal range to fourth and eight out of field goal range. And, and that proved really costly. So he didn't play well. But I think that what he has shown against Minnesota and throughout the year is that is that the ability to be the thing that, that I've been talking about, the ability to be a difference maker is within him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and how many quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be able to do better? And I would argue at this point, there probably aren't even 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that clearly can be better than him. You, and again, even, even the best quarterbacks out there, you look at, you look at Aaron Rodgers, who, who no one would argue is not a hall of fame quarterback, right? I mean, he sees, he's one of the greatest of all time, but early in the season when he had uh, Devonte Adams gone and he had took two rookie wide receivers who hadn't yet kind of adjusted to the NFL, Aaron Rodgers didn't look good for, for half the season. Right. And so any quarterback is not going to look great without the players that he needs in front of him and, and uh, running routes for him also being high quality. And so when you look at what Jones did this year, with a still below average offensive line, especially on the interior and on the right side this year. And with the receivers that he had, it's amazing that he did as, as well as he did. And the, and the other thing that people always forget, you know, and I saw this on Twitter the other day, somebody criticizing someone be, uh, praising uh, Daniel Jones saying, Oh, 3,200 yards and 15 touchdowns. You call that a great, you know, a great quarterback. And, it's like, yeah, well, forget. Did you forget about the 700 yards rushing that he had this year? <laughs> you know, it's 3,900 yards of offense, not not 3,200 yards. And did you forget about the quality of the players around him? And and people always want to want to do that. And so, I'm not claiming that he's going to be Mahomes or Burrow or even Josh Allen uh, or or even Justin Herbert. Okay, I don't I don't know what height he can get to. But the guy just has not had a chance to work with a good lineup in front of him. And this year he showed that that even with a, a modest lineup in front of him, he can be a pretty successful quarterback. Absolutely, Tony. So uh, I think that uh, I think we, we've hit uh, we've hit enough topics for today. I think it's going to uh, certainly be. A really interesting and unfortunately really long off season. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking though that it's not such a long off season because this year the Giants off season only began uh, late Saturday night, and we're already more than halfway through January, and so we're we're delaying thinking about <laughs> about the next season for for quite a while. And I said, oh, it's really only like kind of six weeks before before free agency gets started and things like that. And in previous years, we were we were in early December while the season was still going on, and we were already thinking about next year. So this doesn't seem so long to me. <laughs> well, that's a good point, Tony. That's a good point. That's the that's the the glass half full way to look at it. So uh, so let's look at it that way. All right. I think uh, I think we'll call it a show at that point. Uh, Tony, thank you very very much as always. Giants fans, thank you for listening. Please stay safe out there. 
Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.